Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you uh, so much for, for gathering today. Uh, it's just been, uh, been great to be able to still gather in this, uh, in this form on a Sunday morning uh, in our homes and uh, just want to thank those of you that have uh, texted us or emailed us and encouraging us with the work that we're doing and we're so proud of the team that has been working so hard behind the scenes to be able to put every service up and uh, the different activities that are still happening, the youth, the children, uh, the feeding uh, the needy as well um, and just so grateful for the incredible team uh, that we have here at Life Christian Centre and uh, want to thank those of you that are continuing to support the church financially uh, we just want to say thank you and may the Lord continue to bless you. We're really looking forward to the announcement this upcoming Friday and to see what, uh, what the government says because um, no doubt uh, we're getting closer and closer to actually uh, meeting together Uh, in person back at church. Uh, If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And I want to read a a few scriptures from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Um, If you're not struggling to find Genesis, it's right at the beginning, okay? Right at the beginning. It's the first book of the Bible, the first verse of the Bible, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. This is what the Word of God says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful um, for your spirit and for your presence that is here right now. And I pray that as we look at this uh, familiar scripture, I pray that you would speak to us today, wherever we're at, that this would be a word in season for our hearts and lives. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation, just let there be freedom to hear and to speak your word today. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand your word. Let there be faith in your people, Father, to receive from you today. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak today on the subject, uh, turn on the light. Uh, turn on the light. Book of Genesis begins with the words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. All of us know that scripture. It's actually one of the great verses in the Bible. It describes the fact that God was from the beginning, that God was the creator of the heavens and the earth, and the, the way the scripture is structured and, and written, there's not a lot of ambiguity there. There's not a lot of room uh, for discussion. Uh, either you accept that to be true by faith or you don't. Uh, so often people say, you know, if, if God would reveal himself in person, uh, then, I, then I would believe in God. If God came to earth and showed himself in person, you know, then, then, I, would, then I would actually believe him. The fact is, Uh, God did come to earth in the person of Jesus some 2,000 years ago. He healed the sick, raised the dead, did good, set people free. Uh, And the end result of that was that they nailed him to a cross. 
You would have thought that people would have bowed down to him, uh, but they actually didn't. You see, the issue for people is not so much the evidence to prove God exists. The issue is the same as it's always been. Are we willing to submit our lives to him? Are we we willing to surrender our lives to him? Are we willing to give God the control of our lives? The reality is it's not about the evidence. There's an unwillingness for people to allow Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. So that's, that's what makes Genesis 1-1 so powerful. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Either we choose to believe that by faith, and if so, then let's keep reading, uh, or we choose not to believe that, in which case, don't worry about reading on because the rest of it isn't going to make a lot of sense. Now, the Bible goes on to tell us how God created the heavens and the earth. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, God here is describing what the earth looked like back then. It says it was formless, it was empty, and darkness was covering the earth. Whenever the Bible speaks about darkness, uh, it always speaks about it in in several ways. Um, Darkness can represent uh, physical darkness, the kind of darkness that uh, we, can't, we experience at night. It's, it's a physical darkness. But darkness in the Bible is also used to describe uh, challenges, terrible times, or difficult times that we, we go through in our lives, situations that seem hopeless. It was a dark time. I'm sure that all of us can reflect on our own lives, um, and, and all of us have from time to time experienced uh, dark times in our own lives. Darkness represents those times when um, nothing seems to go right. It's those storms that just seem to come out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, we, we were traveling along in our life. Everything was going so well. Um, life seemed to be going well. And then all of a sudden, a season of darkness. Job said this, Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, then came darkness. Now, Job here isn't speaking about a physical darkness. He's actually speaking about an emotional darkness. He was expecting things uh, to go well in his life, and all of a sudden, uh, things, things got out of control. Jeremiah said this, He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Again, he's speaking about uh, some challenges that Jeremiah was going through. In fact, the book of Lamentations speaks about some of the challenges or the darkness that Jeremiah experienced in his life. All of us will go through seasons in our lives where we experience not so much physical darkness, but emotional darkness. And as we look at the world right now, um, there's a sense where we're experiencing a season of darkness all around the world. It's a season of uncertainty, anxiety, fear, economy looks bleak, not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, Question for us is, what do we do in those times? What do we do when we face those dark seasons in our own lives? Listen to what Isaiah says. Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, 
trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. What Isaiah is saying is that the way we deal with the dark seasons of our life, the greatest thing that we can do is trust in God. And trust is one of the, I believe, one of the, one of the, one of the greatest elements of faith. It's one of the uh, greatest positions of faith. It's nothing's changed in my life just yet, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe that God is going to see me through. It's enduring faith. More than that, we can trust in the name of the Lord because his name is powerful. He's our provider. He is near us. He is with us. His name is higher and he is going to see us through by his grace and for his glory. In dark times, the greatest thing that we can do is put our trust in God. And so, so we have physical darkness, the kind of darkness we experience in the nighttime. Then we have emotional darkness that takes uh, our emotions, our mind, our heart. But the Bible also speaks about another kind of darkness. It speaks about a spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness refers to everything related to Satan and his dominion. We speak about the kingdom of darkness, which refers to everything that God is not. It refers to uh, rebellion against God. It refers to sin. Uh, It refers to disobedience um, to God. And it refers to a lifestyle uh, that is not godly. I was just reading this morning in uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 12, uh, out of the New Living Translation. Just listen to what it says. It says, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will come, will soon be here. So don't live in darkness... Get rid of your evil deeds, shed them like dirty clothes. Instead, clothe yourselves with the armor of of, of right living as those who live in the light. Again there, it's not speaking about darkness, it's not speaking about light, it's speaking about a lifestyle um, and, and, and the darkness is referring to a lifestyle that is not consistent with the principles of God's word. Now that theme is right throughout. Uh, To the Ephesians, Paul said, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. In other words, we can live in the light or we can live in the darkness. To the Colossians, Paul said, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Now, I could could go on right through the New Testament and give you verse after verse that speaks about darkness, referring to the enemy, referring to a lifestyle that is not godly, referring to an anti-God sentiment. But when Genesis says darkness was over the surface of the deep, um, it certainly speaks to the time that we're living in today. There is certainly emotional darkness covering the earth. There's absolutely no doubt about it. It's a lot of uncertainty and fear. But if we look deeper, the the world has been in spiritual darkness for some time. The world has not been getting closer to God. The world has not been promoting the principles of God, the truths of Scripture. Um, The world has not been promoting a way that is consistent with the principles of God's Word. Now, if you see what's been happening year after year in the last century... There's been a decline in morality. Uh, There's been a blatant disregard for the things of God. The principles of God, in many ways, have actually been mocked. Look at what Psalm 2 says, which I believe describes the world over the last few years. 
Uh, speaking of the power brokers of the world, they say, let's come together and break away from the creator once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. In, in other words, let, let, let's, let's, let's break away from, from God and, and from everything that he represents. In Genesis, the Bible describes what the earth looked like right there at the beginning. It says it was formless, it was empty, darkness covered the earth. And what, what I love about the scripture in Genesis that it doesn't finish there. The Bible goes on to say, Listen carefully. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of hope. In Genesis, things were bad. In Genesis, there was darkness. It was formless. It was empty. But the Spirit of God was hovering. God was not absent. He wasn't distant or disinterested. God was hovering over the deep. And there may be some of you right now that are completely surrounded by darkness in your own life. I want you to know that God has not abandoned you, that God is for you, he's with you, that God is on your side and that God will get you through. Psalm 23, which is a powerful psalm, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with us. Even as we face some of those dark seasons in our life, the spirit of God is hovering. He's with us and he's going to see us through. And as bad as things are in the world right now, I believe the real problem is not this pandemic, the virus. It's not even the uncertainty. The real problem in the world is the spiritual darkness. It's a much deeper problem. We live in a world that is calling black, white, and white, black. We're living in a world right now that is turning away from God. We're living in a world that is doing away with ancient boundary stones that have been set up for centuries, turning its back on God. We're living in a world that is filled with spiritual darkness. Quick question is, how does God deal with the spiritual darkness in the world? How does God deal with the spiritual darkness in the world? Well, I believe he deals with it the same way he dealt, he dealt with it right back there in Genesis. See, the first words to come out of God's mouth, as he looked at the emptiness, the disorder, the darkness, as, as, he, as he looked at the disorder and the darkness in the world, the first words to come out of God's mouth were, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Notice he didn't say, let, let there be peace. Or let there be joy or love. Those things are important. Those things are coming. As we read on in Scripture, you'll, you'll, see, you'll see that those things are, are coming. But, but the first words to come out of God's mouth were, and let there be light. And there was light. And right there, I believe, is the answer for the world we're living in today. See, the first three verses of the Bible are packed with truth. God is the creator. That's verse 1. Number two, the world is filled with darkness. That's verse two. And number three, verse three, the answer is the light. You see, the way you deal with darkness is pretty simple. All you need to do is turn on the light. If you walk into a dark room, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with the darkness in that room? Well, it's pretty simple, really. All you need to do is turn on the light. 
doesn't need to be a big light either. It can be just a, a small candle and the darkness begins to flee. Because whenever darkness comes in contact with light, light always wins. You don't deal with darkness by talking about the darkness, by saying how bad it is, how dark it is, by arguing with the darkness, by fighting with the darkness. You don't deal with the darkness by talking about the darkness. The way you get rid of the darkness is pretty simple, really. It's turn on the light. So what's the answer? For the darkness in the world that we're living in today, what's the answer? The answer is found in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Here, here, here it is, here's Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples. It's a word to you and me. Listen to what he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and as a result of what they see in you, they will in turn glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus gave a command to his disciples and it's a command that applies to you and to me. I, lo I love this scripture because it's a reminder of what the purpose of the church is. It's a reminder of the reason why we exist. It's a reminder to all of us for our mandate, our mission, our vision. As a church, we are first and foremost, we are called to be the light of the world. The answer for this dark world, listen carefully, it's you and me. It's the church of Jesus Christ as we reflect the love and the grace of God. We're called to be the light of the world. Notice what Jesus says, uh, verse 15. He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. What he's saying is here, you don't light a lamp and then put something over it. Well, that would be useless. Why would you do such a thing? No, you put it on the highest point so that it can give the greatest amount of light. I believe one of the positive things to come out of COVID-19 season is there's been a correction in the church. It's a, it's a reminder to all of us of what the church is really all about. The church was never meant to be a group of people that just meet on a Sunday and we meet once a week in buildings and sing songs, drink coffee, all of that's really good and, and very important. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, that would be like lighting a lamp and putting it under a bowl. Jesus said, no, if you light a lamp, you need to put it on a stand. You need to put it somewhere where everyone else can see. The biggest concern I have with the church is, is that we've become egocentric, inward focused, consumer focused. It's all about me. It's feed me. It's look after me. Make me feel good. Make me feel important. The reality, the church was never meant to, meant to be about you and me was always meant to be about shining the light 
in the dark. Jesus tells the parable, uh, he's speaking to the Pharisees and he's telling them parables about, about what the kingdom of God is all about, what the, what the people of God should be focused on. And he talks about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, one of them wanders off. And, 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 the shep- and Jesus tells the story and he says, the shepherd leaves the 99 to go in search of that one sheep. And, and that's really what the mission of the church is all about. It's not about us, it's not about you and me. It's really about the lost sheep. Now, please don't misunderstand me. The church as a, as a, place, of, a place of worship is crucial. It's extremely important. Gathering together is powerful. Uh, the corporate anointing is amazing. One thing that I miss, I just miss that, that corporate anointing when we gather together as a church and we begin to worship together. There's just something very powerful about that. The fellowship, the presence of God. It's critical for our walk with God. And so many of us are missing that. Can't wait for the day when we can just gather back together in church and worship God together. But listen, the danger for the church is that we think that this is what the purpose of the church is. That our purpose is just to gather on a Sunday morning. And that's so far from the truth. The church was always called to be the light of the world. The church was always called to be the salt of the earth. I love the way the message translation says this. It says, let me tell you why you are here. First of all, it talks about being the salt of the earth, which is, you know, the, the, the two metaphors for describing the purpose of the church. And, and then he says, you're here to be the light, breaking out the good colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. Have you ever seen those glow-in-the-dark toys uh, that, you know, children have? Um, the glow-in-the-dark toys are really quite simple. You, you get it, you put it up against the light, and you leave it there for a few minutes. And then um, when you put uh, that toy in the dark, it glows for about 10 minutes. And then slowly the light begins to dim, and then you've got to put it against the light again uh, for a little bit of time. And then and when you bring it back in the dark, it it's, it's lights up again. To me, that's a great illustration of what the church is meant to be. On Sundays, we come together and we charge our batteries uh, so, that we can, so that we can be the light of the world during the week. On Sundays, we come together and we worship, we hear the word of God, we fellowship together. There's just something so powerful about that. Uh, there's a strength that comes from that. There's, a, there's an energy that comes from that. Um, uh, and, it's, and it's so important. But we do that so that we can then be the light of the world during the week. And somewhere along the line, we kind of got it wrong. We started to think that the purpose of the church is to charge our batteries. The purpose of the church is not about you and me. It's about being the light in the dark. It's kind of why I like the fact that the church has had to, had to disperse. It's had to disperse and each person into their home because that's where we're really meant to be because that's where the greatest work is done. It's done in the community. Majority of the miracles that Jesus did, I've said this before, the majority of the miracles that Jesus did, well, they weren't done in the temple. They were actually done outside of the temple. All throughout the Bible, we're challenged as people of God to be the light. Peter says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession 
Listen, to, listen carefully. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Greatest message that all of us can preach is the message of what Jesus has done for us. You know, I used to be here and, and then, you know, someone spoke to me about Jesus and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and, and, and then my life was radically changed. It's the greatest message that we can hear. It's the greatest message that can ever be preached. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the peoples. Listen, listen carefully. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. The way we deal with the darkness is turn on the light, is to be the light. The quick question is, how can we be the light in the world? What does that look like? Well, Jesus, who was the light of the world, changed the world in three ways. He changed it by who he was. He changed it by what he said. He changed it by what he did. He changed it through his character, his words, and his deeds. How can we be the light of the world? Well, the first way that we can be the light of the world is by having the character of, of Jesus. It's just being like Jesus. Before, before people want to hear about Jesus, they want to see Jesus. It's who we are. It's how we respond in difficult situations. It's how we respond in, in, in circumstances where, where we could do the wrong thing, but we do the right thing instead. It's who we are. People want to people see Jesus before they want to hear about him. We'd be the light of the world by speaking the words that Jesus would speak. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that our words have the power of life and death. Every time we speak, our words can bring life or they can bring death. How do, we change, how do we change the world? We change the world by speaking words of life. And number three, by doing the very things that Jesus would do. One of my prayers every single day is, Lord, help me to be like Jesus. I want, I want to be more and more like Jesus every single day. I want to think like Jesus, speak like Jesus. I want to, I want to do the very things that Jesus would do. Every time we pray and seek God, the light gets brighter. Every time we point people to Christ, every time we do good, speak truth, every time we speak words of hope, stand against sin, every time we feed the hungry and help the poor, we're being the light. Jesus said this, so don't hide your light, let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. People will see what you do. People will see your life and because of what they see in you and me, they will give praise to their Father in heaven. So important that we understand this principle that we're called to be the light of the world. Why is it so important that we shine? Because every time we shine God's light, people have hope. Marriages are healed. Lives are changed. People are set free. People are rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. The way we deal with the darkness in the world 
Let's turn on the light. What does that look like? Some, sometimes it can be just a simple thing. We might be at work and, and someone might be going through a challenging time. Why can't we say, hey, let me pray for you. Let, 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 let me pray and just believe that God is going to do something in your life. We might see someone in need. It, it might be, rather than saying anything, just it might be doing something, helping someone who's in need. What, what a great time in this season to be the light of the world, to represent Christ. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into the world and listen to what he said. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus was saying, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's a great promise to all of us. Maybe you're watching this service and you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You're surrounded by light, but you feel like your life is filled with darkness. It's not a lot of hope for the future. It's not a lot of direction in life. Your, your life just feels like uh, it's meaningless. It's one day, becomes another day, becomes another week, becomes another month, becomes another year, and you see your life just passing by and you're wondering, what is this all about, really? Maybe you're one of those people that have said, you know, over the years you've just said, you know, I just want to see, I want to, I want to, I want to see the proof. I just want to see the evidence, you know. Communion reminds us of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there's no greater proof than that. No greater proof that Jesus is real than the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But like most people, it's not the evidence people need. We just need to make a decision to invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of our life. And I want to encourage you today. Why not make that decision to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Why don't, why don't you make that decision right now? Question is, how, how, how do we do that? Well, all you need to do is pray a really simple prayer that comes from your heart. It's not so much the words, it's about the words that come from our heart are, that are inviting Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of our life. And what, what, what I love about this context of being able to do service is there's no pressure on you. Um, sometimes people can feel that in a, in a church context, there's kind of pressure or you feel like you're being manipulated in some way where no one's going to manipulate you. You're at home. You're, it's just you and God. Why not make this really important decision to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior? Why not invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? Pastor Joe, how do I do that? What do I need to do? Well, all you need to do is pray a simple prayer like this. A simple prayer that, the, the words that, that look something like this. In fact, why don't you just repeat them in your own way? Just as I say these words, why don't, why don't you repeat them in, in your own way? Right, right where you're, you're watching this, this program today. Words, words that say something like this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I thank you that you died on the cross 
for my sins. And I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I invite you into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to serve you all the days of my life. If you, if you pray a simple prayer like that, and, and you mean those words, um, you'll never be the same again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the deep. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. I pray that as a church, we will never forget our responsibility to be the light of the world. Why don't we pray together? Father, I just thank you for this time that we've been able to worship you and praise you, and I thank you for your word. Father, I, I just pray for those that are watching even right now, Lord God. I, I pray for those that, Father, are wrestling with this decision to invite you into their lives. Those that are kind of wondering, is this real or not real? Um, Father, I, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful way, that they would have the courage and the boldness to be able to make this decision to invite you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And Father, for those that have made that decision for the very first time today, I just pray let the Spirit of God come upon them in Jesus' name. Let them sense your presence in a way they've not sensed it before, Lord God. Let them sense your power in a way that they've not done that before, Lord God. And Father, as a church, I pray that you will remind us, Lord God, of why we exist, that our primary purpose, Lord God, is to be the light of the world. And wherever we are, even today, Lord God, that, that we would be a reflection of the grace and the mercy and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be glorified in our lives, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name.